Hello and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists who are committed to planetary purpose. My name is Julian Guderlai, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Rodrigo Cunha. Rodrigo studies the contemporary movements of humankind in order to interpret and share stories in different forms. Lectures, texts, presentations, articles, and conversations. Rodrigo is the CEO of Profile PR, a public relations agency working with people and brands towards positive impact. Rodrigo is also Ted's former ambassador for Latin America, partner of Live AD, digital agency, and curator of Live Talks. He currently is writing a book called Rehumans, which will tell stories of leaders who transform the way they do business based on positive values, dreams, and passion. He wrote the book, How to Make a Business Work in an Uncertain Country, chosen by Exam Magazine as one of the best 10 books in the world in 2004. He also developed the platform Plus Social Good for the United Nations Foundation and is a member of NELIS, a global network of leaders for sustainability. He's 42 years old, married with three children, and has served around the world since he's 12 years old. Really excited to have him on the show today. So welcome with these words. Welcome to the show, Rodrigo. Thank you very much, Julia. It's such a pleasure. Looking forward for our conversation here. Yeah, brother. I'm so happy. We've, we've been meeting in different places around the world. I think last I met you actually in your living room there in Sao Paulo. And I'm, I'm happy to have you on the show and, and drop in. You know, you've, you've such an interesting um, role to play in, in this global narrative around impact. And, you know, you've curated TED Talks and, and TED stages and i'm most excited to hear more about your project rehuman and what's happening um both in sao paulo in new york i think you have something planned for san francisco so do you want to give people just a little drop in about rehuman what it is and and what are you really seeing there what, what you're wanting to create and facilitate great maybe i'll give a, a bit of a background of the project and then that all started when i was writing that book you previously mentioned about businesses here in brazil and in the end of every interview, I've done 50. I used to ask the, the interviewees about their career and what did they like the most and what did they regret the most about what they have built. And people always said they were very happy about their careers, about the business they, they built, but they were very sad about the fact that they didn't see their family growing. They were away from the kids and they were saying that with a very grave voice. And then I found that very harsh, you know, and my kid was 10 months old. He was crawling in the, in the middle of the, our living room while I was writing the book. And I was like, I'm not going into that way, you know, I'm not going that path. I'm gonna do that differently. But then uh, I started working for this bank and diving into sustainability. And that uh, thing was in my mind for like 10 years. And one day I was like, I really wanted to write a book again, but I was so traumatized by that first one because of the deadlines and everything. I didn't want to go through in that place again. And then, but then one day I was like uh, in the shower. And then I thought that usually what we have when we think about business, uh, when we say the word businessman, we think about someone wearing this beautiful suite, you know, in a big car, in a big house, looking for a bigger salary. And that's all they are worried about. And they, I, I, they act like James Bond, you know, of uh, the corporate world. They have the license to queue as long as they deliver good results for the shareholders. Mm -hmm. And there was this story for businesses uh, for the last de decades, but now it's changing. And I, in that shower, I was thinking about that. And then I thought that I knew so many 
amazing people. They, they were you know, very worried about how they were building their businesses. And they were also uh, in a different definition of success. They were very successful people, not only looking for how much money they have in their bank accounts, but how they were living their lives were very, uh, very important for how to define success. And then I thought to myself that those people are like uh, rehumans. We have a different expression in Brazil that doesn't translate into English, but I'm thinking about uh, what, what is this kind of humans that are worried about other things other than uh, making more money, you know, making bigger profits. And then I started counting those people in my head and then I thought, whoa, there's a lot of people. I can start interviewing them and then I will write a book about it. That's how it all started. Rehumans in the kind of sense of redeveloping what it means to be a human being in this modern time, right? Yeah, actually, the idea of this uh, word came when my partner, Ernesto, he was interviewing this guy called John Fullerton in New York. Yeah, they were uh, Harvard uh, uh, students before, and they, they wanted to meet and you know, exchange some ideas. And then Ernesto was trying to explain him about the idea of the book because I wanted to interview John. And then he said, look, what you're talking about is regenerative humans, you know, people that are working towards regeneration and not only sustainability, because sustainability is important. But if you, if you were to sustain things how they are right now, we're doomed. <laughs> we have to work on regenerating things. And then uh, when Ernesto called me after that uh, meeting, I just said to him, so that's rehumans. Redesign, rethink, revolution, redo, we whatever, you know, regenerate in the end. And then uh, that's how this idea came forward. And one day we were talking about uh, the project to a friend. And then he said, why, why don't you guys do something in New York? In New York, I can help you to put uh, an event there. And then we said, yes, let's do it. But we're based in Sao Paulo and Ernesto is in Buenos Aires. It's quite difficult to do an event in New York from where we are. And then he said, no, I can't help you guys. And then we started doing this. The idea was to do like a, a hundred people event like we, we've done in Sao Paulo and back in 2018 for the first time. But then we found out that while talking to people in order to invite them to be part of this event, they were sharing about their lives, saying how much they feel lonely sometimes because they are going against the current. They're trying to change things. Sometimes they're living very comfortable jobs, you know, very comfortable salaries. And their families are saying, look, you're crazy. You're, you're giving up this amount of money in order to save the world. What, why, why are you thinking, you know? And those guys, sometimes they feel they, they're, they're very lonely. And then we found out that what if we put those people together in order to start to form a coalition of people that can help each other? Because most of the times when we try to do something together, we are looking for transactional collaboration. So I have a project, you have a project, if we put our projects together, then we can succeed. And that's gonna be good for both of, the, both of us. But what if we have to collaborate on things like mass migration, overpopulation, you no know, shortage of water, famine, you know, those things are gonna, going to be very present in the next decades. And do we know how to collaborate on, on things that are bigger than us? I'm not quite sure about that. So we, we better start learning how to do it. This is so interesting from a few angles, man. I feel like for one, I can definitely personally relate. Like there have been phases in my journey in my life where it feels overwhelmingly lonely, 
when you are committed to something that you believe in out of value, but then you realize that the mechanism systems and kind of uh, modi operandi around us are just not set up for it, right? So mm -hmm. every now and then you're on a high of people seeing what you do and then you're on a low of being like, fuck, am I, am I mm -hmm. alone in this? And the truth is we're not alone in this. And this is probably the biggest tool we have is to actually gather tribe uh, in, in our case right here, right now, the tribe of people who believe that there is a holistic vision we can create for this planet. And in your case, the, the regenerative, which is basically a very similar tribe that we're, that we're talking to. So the regenerative dream of, of building a society that, that works for everyone. Mm -hmm. So let's get really real about this. You know, we're having a call right now. You're sitting in Sao Paulo in Brazil. We know that uh, governments are, are difficult these days because it's, it's not really a democracy basically anywhere at this point, right? We have like ma massive environmental catastrophes happening in Siberia is on fire. The Amazon has been on fire for weeks. How do you see this regenerative or this holistic vision to become real? Like, let's not hang out too long in, in like what's going wrong. We, we, we know what's going wrong. We have to just read the news about that. But how do you see that can the tribe gather? How can we actually create social change and create belonging with each other? What I know, what I believe it's happening is there is a collective emergency, emergence uh, happening at this very moment right now. And while in the process of inviting people to come to the event in New York, we uh, were presented to so many amazing initiatives around the planet. You know, people getting together in different parts of the globe in order to understand how can they how can they live in a community, you know, self-sustainable community, for example, or connecting the dots inside one country or inside one region. And then we found out that our role in this whole process, you know, talking about rehumans, but talking about humans as well, is to be part of those connections and work collectively. You know, uh, we're pretty sure it's not that uh, most of the people, at least in the in, in the past, that people that were you know, running NGOs or causes like that, they were like, I'm gonna save the world myself. I wanna be in the cover of whatever magazine saying that I'm the good guy to save the world. You know, what I found out, you know, talking to people about that is that uh, we have to work together. There are so many brilliant initiatives around there. You know, so many people doing those things already. So we, we better get connected. We, if our governments are not taking care of the environmental issues, for example, we as civil as society, we have to do that because it's in our hands. Neither the companies are doing that, right? Uh, there was this uh, meeting, the business round table, people were writing, talking about that, like the CEOs of 181 companies, the most successful companies in the US, they're saying that profit is not, all, is not anymore the only thing that companies have to look for, but how to deliver results for everyone that's involved. This is cheap talk in the way, you know, it's, it's very easy to say that, but can you actually do it? How hard is it is, you know? And I, I found uh, that it's not that I'm defining the intention. I mean, the intention is that it's beautiful, but how long does it take, you know, to change? if we're still worried about the next quarter results and the market is pressure is putting pressure on you to deliver those results and to deliver those results, you're going to act like those James Bonds I just said, you know, you're going to do whatever you can in order to deliver the results to shareholders. You know what happened in Brazil with this a huge damn accident 
two or three years ago, yeah, those executives, they knew that the dam was condemned, but they didn't let anyone know about it because, because if they said that, the stocks are going to fall, to fall. And that's very bad for the company because you're looking for profits only. And many people died because of that. So when we say about the James Bond line, it's actually true most of the times. But you know, it's not one people's fault. It's not one company's fault. It's a system's fault because we are doing that because we someday we decided that that's the way to go because we decided that profit is the most important thing. And why have we decided that? I don't know. Do you know that? Yeah, I, I don't know all the reasons why, or like the reasons I, I, I can come up with, they're, they're pretty lengthy to get into. I think what I, I, I guess is a short answer to that is because capitalism is a very efficient tool for growth, right? We've seen massive industrialization, massive globalization. I'm, I'm not gonna say I'm a fan only of that, right? There's lots and lots and lots and lots of issues that have been created through that. And also it's created the substance of the technology through which we're connected right now, through which you're listening and tuning in, through which you know, we're, we're able to, to have a common and shared understanding of the world. So I think it, it has like everything, it has really massive upsides and massive downsides. So I, I feel personally, for me, the question really becomes like, are we able to learn quicker from our mistakes? Are we able to be more honest about the mistakes we're making on this planet? Because um, how come that it takes catastrophes like, the Amazon burning for people to be like, Oh, is that really us humans doing this? You know, like maybe our consciousness can expand to the point where we are in tune with things enough to realize, okay, we're going too far over the balance point. Let's readjust and let's lean more towards regenerative. And so I think capitalism is overdue for an upgrade, for an augmentation and to have values added into it. So when company leaders proclaim that now they need more than profit, I think it's a great step. I just think it's a very late and very slow step. So it's definitely not something we as like the people, quotation marks here, we as the people should just sit around for, you know? Mm -hmm. um, my, my personal belief, Rodrigo, and I've said that multiple times on the show before, I don't really believe in revolution necessarily as much anymore. I believe in metamorphosis. I believe revolution has this like historical context of overthrowing um, a negative leader and then um, therefore like bloodshed and like change of power and all these things. But I don't think revolution has ever become a regenerative or sustainable model, right? I believe in metamorphosis at our very basis of who we are into uh, alignment, into attunement, into holistic um, thinking, being, sharing. And you said it a little while ago here, you said um, that, the problem isn't necessarily the companies or the politicians. We could talk about them being a problem too, but it's not necessarily them. It's the systems underlying. And so what's sparking for me is what are the systems, but the ways we are used to relating to each other. Mm. Yeah. So I feel like if we learn to relate to each other in ways that are like just simply more profound, like, you know, I, I think things are already slowly starting to change and 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 so i don't know how, how do you feel about about that you've traveled the world you i know you're very uh, fond of uh, indigenous cultures around the world you you've, you're exposed to many different ways of how people relate like what what shows up for you there yeah i think that uh we have a big issue today which is uh how people feel lonely 
and that causes depression, anxiety, and even, you know, people trying to commit or taking out their own lives in, in order to seize the pain they're feeling. And there is some uh, research on that saying that that is caused because people are really disconnected because they, they are, you know, only there to work and they get out of their houses, they go to work and then at work they don't have the time to get acquaintances or to make friends. And they, they once they, they've done, they go back to, to their homes and they are living by themselves. So they, they really have the time to connect to other people. And we, uh, we have emerged as a species around the fire, around tribes, you know, talking to each other, having deep connections. There's this saying, this uh, African villages saying that it takes a village to raise one children. And that's very true, you know. I live in this building here in Brazil, which uh, we live in, we have, I have three kids. So we, we live in this small apartment and we, we thought we should move many, many times. But then uh, every time we talk about that, I, th I think about my kid that has 11 years old and he's so connected to the children here in the building. And once we, we have a small kid, she's two years old. And once we, we leave her uh, sleeping at a, a, a neighbor's house, so in order for us to, to go to movies or something else. And then uh, how much is it valued, you know, that I can leave uh, our small baby sleeping in a neighbor's house and so we can have fun and we are uh, very confident and safe that she's being taken care of. And then that's why we, we decided not to move because there's so, there's so much value in this. And I and also remember uh, when Charles Eisenstein, I know you have interviewed him for this uh, show. And I remember once he was here in Brazil giving a lecture and then he said that when he went to, to Rio, he went to the favelas in Rio, he felt that uh, they were very rich in there because uh, kids were running around, no one was ever worried about you know, someone kidnapping the kids or if the kids are going to, to hurt somehow, they were not uh, going to be taken care of. And then he said, comparing to the place where I live in the US, you know, with this green grass in the front of my uh, house, this beautiful neighborhood, but nobody knows each other. And then I feel that people are very poor in there because of that. So he was like, you know, counterbalancing the idea of what is to be rich and I believe there is so much richness in the connections, you know, in, there's so much richness in forming a community and relying on that community. And I feel that we are losing that in so many different layers around the globe. And that's why coming back to the feeling that so lonely. And that's why we're disconnecting from our own nature, which is to be connected to other people and also connected to nature. Beautiful, man. I, I like where we're going with this conversation. Let me ask a follow-up question, and that is about trust. I'd love to know for you personally, Rodrigo, what is required to experience trust? Thank you for the question. Very nice one. Uh, while you're putting together this event in New York, uh, the Rehumans event, we were like, so, okay, we're going to uh, be inviting people from different parts of the globe people that actually don't know each other. And we're gonna have only one day to have this deep and profound conversation. How are you gonna have this? Because people don't necessarily trust each other. And then what we decided to do was to have a 
onboarding conversation with every person before getting to the place in New York. So we kind of uh, build trust between ourselves, us and the participants. And then on, on site, we decided to put some blindfolds on people before they entered the room where we we're going to have the conversation during the day. And then we, we, we've done this guided meditation. And after that, people took their blindfolds off. And then we started the conversation with one question, which was, uh, what was the most vulnerable time in your life? And why have you learned from that? And then people just shared, you know, very deep from their hearts. And, you know, people cried and very, got very emotional because of that. And once everyone spoke about it, trust was there because people felt they could share in a very safe and vulnerable environment. And from that, we built trust. And then the conversation went in a very deeper level because of that. So I think that we have to be vulnerable. We have to have time and space to get to know people, each other, and then we can act on trust. And I, if I think about uh, corporations today, uh, and you know, talking to people because we are uh, trying to work and how to develop tools in order to create this kind of trust, in order to he, he rehumanize work environments inside corporations. And we're just trying to understand how can we create that field? Is there a space for that? How can we create a space only for people to get to know each other, to ask about their lives? You know, people don't talk about their lives. And sometimes it doesn't matter because you're there to do the work. You're not there to make friends. You're there to do the work. So that's somehow sad because you're putting like one third of your life in a place where you can't be friends with anyone. How sad is that? You know, you can't build any trust on that. And actually, most of the times you are worried if that person by your side is going to take your place. And then you feel fear. And then you put your, uh, your uh, how do you say that thing that uh, like uh, warriors wear? Uh, armor, some, yeah. You're armor. Like not a wall around yourself, yeah. People won't beat you. And then you're not going to be vulnerable at all. You're not going to build trust because of that. And that's the place where we are at the moment. And that's why people don't feel that they want to change jobs. And they feel that they're not doing a good thing because they don't find any purpose in that. Because they're only there uh, changing, exchanging time for salary. That's bad. Got it. So for you to experience trust, would you say it requires the space and the receptivity for vulnerability and just openness and honesty? That's a good uh, and concise way of putting the information. Yeah, um, I, I, I'm just always interested like in, <laughs> thanks, thanks man. <laughs> I'm always interested in like the personal answer because I feel like in the theory, you know, about what could work for everyone, we as humans are, we're pretty good at understanding what's lacking. But then when it comes to letting down the personal armor, I feel like that's where we're practicing and where it gets real. And I noticed that about my own work, my projects, my clients, my coaching, my, you know, my, my, my journey is about the two polarities. It's like holistic visions and how we can come together about purpose and that. And then the space of personal transformation, because I believe they actually, even though they're polarities, they really go hand in hand. And the more I've leaned into that over the last year in the last two three years i'm realizing when i am most vulnerable more people can actually connect to what i have to share and what's coming through me 
Yeah, you it's can not always easy. <laughs> not, but you know, if you do a, a small experiment and you know, take your social media, for example, anyone can take any social media handle and just be vulnerable there. And what happens? People, they reply back, you know, they feel very happy if someone is vulnerable. They, they also feel vulnerable and trustful in order to reply in the same level. And if you, if you have the guts to start any conversation in a very vulnerable way, then something very magical will happen because the other person will do the same thing. And that's beautiful. That's the very human uh, level of our experience and existence. Uh, But why have we become so separated from our own essence? Why? I think it's an interesting question. And the the first answer that instantly pops up for me is this idea that, you know, if you were to describe vulnerable in a different way, it's just honest about what is real or real with what is. But talking and feeling into what is makes us feel uncomfortable or not enough sometimes when we look at these ideals that our society has created, right? This ideal of being this like tough James Bond-like businessman or having the house and the white picket fence or owning this car. And I mean, it's, it's proven and we know, we know that the marketing engines of this society, and I mean, I've, I've worked in them myself, so I, I definitely know that it's, it's a real thing. People know about it. We've, we've even watched shows like Mad Men to entertain ourselves. These marketing engines have created the feeling of lack in a planet and a reality that is full of abundance. And so we're, we're basically, I think, backtracking how to bring that into alignment, how we've manipulated each other uh, for consumption and for desire and bringing it back into being real, being okay with what is, even maybe if, if you haven't, gotten the award or bought a Porsche or whatever it is. And then from there, which is vulnerable, right? Building a next step forward. And I think that's, that's really all it takes. But because reality as we're living it has become highly complex, we're like living in an abstraction, I would say, of reality that's real. Because reality that's real is simple. You know, it's, there's abundance given. All we have is connection. Uh, if we lean on the abundance and the connection of the natural world, we will be able to, even as a highly evolved technological species, we will be able to create. But we've created this abstraction of reality through capitalism, through um, a form of democracy that I don't think is a real democracy. I said that earlier in this episode. I think what I'm coming to understand is uh, across the world, and that goes for Germany and Norway as much as for Brazil and the United States. Like, we, we live in an idea of democracy that isn't truly democratic and ne- neither have we really ever been in a democracy because democracy would really mean that everyone has a voice that's truly heard and um, only because we vote people into power and anyone over 18 has the right to vote doesn't really mean it's a true democracy. It's an idea we have and I think it's worth exploring that idea, but it would be great to vulnerably admit how much we're still failing at it and how much our systems are, are just perpetuating an illusion, right? And, so that's kind of where I pop out with most of these topics is how about we're vulnerable about the world we've created and admit that we're still just figuring out how to steer this spaceship Earth. Yes, and I think we are also confused by what do we need in order to live a good life? Do we need everything that people say that we need, actually need? No, we don't. And I, I've just went to this uh, beautiful northeast eastern region in Brazil one of the most biodiverse uh, regions in the world. And then um, I found this uh, friends living there uh, with four kids in a small hut uh, inside the jungle. 
and they were there, you know, trying to uh, learn how to plant their own food. And, uh, they are working in this uh, Baldorf school uh, in that place, you know, creating space for people from that very poor region to have a good education. And they're just there like they're in the mission. And one thing they were saying is that they want to learn and on, on how to live without the need of money. And this is important, right? Because money is like the one language that everyone understands around the planet. Even though you don't believe in God, if you're, you, you believe in Allah, you believe in dollars. And it's written there, we, in God we trust. So, <laughs> right? Everyone's like around looking for more dollars in the globe because this is the currency that talks to everyone. And, but do you, what is the value that we put on money? Why, why do, why do we create, what have we created money for in order to exchange things? But do we really need that for, for living? I know this is extreme somehow, but I think there are so many people around the planet, not talking about indigenous people. I don't think your question don't is have extreme. Money live I don't, I don't think the question is extreme. I think right? the question is just a good question to ask. I don't know, because there are so many indigenous people living out there without money for so much time, right? And they, they have, they live thousands a good life. If years, you go there, thousands of years. Yeah. And they, they're saying that, you know, they're talking about uh, deforestation, the Amazon right now, saying, why are you guys burning the Amazon? You're crazy. You're gonna burn the, the forest down and then you're gonna, not gonna have any water, then you're gonna have any food, then gonna have, that money is not gonna be used for at all. And it's very hard. It's, it's not that we need to do a revolution, like you said. It's not the case uh, because we have created that as humankind. We have been living with that. We have creating. Uh, we have been creating more opportunities for people around the planet. People are living a better life. You, you can't say that's not true. But as long as we know how much suffering is around, and how much, as long as we know that you know, two billion people are living in poverty. And then how can you say that we're living a good life and now humanity has, not, has never lived uh, as good as, now we're, as we're living today? That's not true because we know that's happening. We are connected. And how can we look at that and don't feel like shame or don't feel that we need to do something around that? And then I, I remember those guys, that, that guy Douglas Reshkoff, you know, he was one of the guys in this uh, Occupy movement, and he was part of our meeting there in New York, the Rehuman event. And he said he was invited by some of the, some of the most rich, richest guys in the world, like five billionaires. They, are, they were uh, calling him to, to ask him about uh, the, what they say, the event, like the apocalypse, when uh, we're going to have this huge uh, climate catastrophe. And they were worried about how could they live after this. And they were worried about wh whether they should build the bunker in, the, uh, in Alaska, Siberia, or Patagonia. And then the guy was like, those guys are crazy. They're not thinking about the human guy. They're, they're only thinking about themselves. You know? And if they're only thinking about themselves, what's going to happen? Where are they going get, to uh, get food from? And maybe they can fly to Mars, but... Is that a good option? Have you ever seen the pictures of Mars? Do you really want to live there? I'm asking you. <laughs> I don't How do you feel about living there? Well, go live in the desert here. It's the same thing. 
you're not gonna live, you're gonna die. And then this, it makes no sense. So are we going to be like trashing up this beautiful planet to live somewhere where you can even breathe? That's crazy. That doesn't make any sense. And people are you know, talking about that. In order for us to survive, we have to escape this planet. Okay, but how long can we still live in the planet if we weren't you know, burning fossil fuels like we are today? Probably thousands of years. But now we're, we're talking about we may be extinct in 100 years. How crazy is that? I don't know. I went too far. No, you didn't go too far. I just love your passion so much. That's why I'm not cutting you off. I love, I love hearing the passion because this is what got me started. And I, I know that everyone listening has passion for this same quest. Like, how come we're not making our interconnectedness uh, the priority? And maybe profit is number two right after that. For fair enough, you know, profit isn't, isn't bad altogether, but the interconnectedness and aliveness and life um, and breath. <laughs> And biodiversity, you know, I mean, th those are things that are for people like, like you and I, I think it, it's a no brainer that this is a number one, um, because that's the green planet, blue planet we live on. And I feel the passion is really super welcome. What I, the reason why I started the show, Rodrigo, and the reason why I, I like, I'm continuously putting out content and gathering tribe around this is because I feel like it's our job to take over this metamorphosis. It's not a revolution. We're not trying to overthrow anyone. It's a metamorphosis into a higher degree of consciousness in which we are actually living in attunement with the planet. And yes, possibly the indigenous cultures of this earth have a lot to teach us about that. However, it's 2019, soon 2020, right? So the, the, the technological reality we live in is also not undeniable. So we, we can't really go back, but we still yet have to figure out how we're going forward. So yeah, it's interesting for me to, to, to watch a lot of discussions these days on public television, which I don't engage into too much. But when I do, I'm like, wow, everything is just polarized. It's either you are a capitalist leader or you're a socialist. But I think the shades of gray in between are, are much, 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 much more intricate. And, and it's the shades of the spectrum that are actually interesting because I feel like one of the lessons from spirituality and philosophy is that everything can become your teacher. Everyone can be your teacher when you are receptive to listening, learning, and letting it work on you, right? I am not here to claim I know what we need to do. I'm not here to claim to pretend that I understand the larger cause and effect of the universe. Maybe I'm going to name them. Maybe Trump and Bolsonaro are in, in like incredibly important for people to wake up. Possibly, right? But I think we, we, we have to find a way to actually steward Earth from a place of value and from a place of holistic vision. And so that's my last question for you today is, what world do you really believe in? What world becomes possible? And then what's one of the many ways to get there? Well, well uh, recently I've learned about this expression that that we can always ask universe, what else is possible? And then by doing these questions, amazing things will emerge because life is so amazing. You know, if you stop for a minute to think about how many things happened for us to be here having this conversation, you know, how many of our ancestors had to, you know, fight back tigers and lions and all kinds of beasts and species and, you know, trying to learn how to, uh, to do some cropping, 
to learn to harvest and to you know find different species of uh, food and domesticating animals and creating industries creating technology and so boom all this happened and we're here having this conversation we are in the most advanced times of our history and now again and again and again it keeps coming you know and knowing that we know everything uh that not that we know everything but we have we can do everything i mean what else is possible if we can do everything what can we do now what will, what will we what are we going to do in order to live a good life in those years that are coming knowing about all this separation that that are you know happening in the world right now the polarization that you were mentioning how can we act as a agent of transformation of you no know, help helping this metamorphosis to happen <coughs> sorry bringing our best intentions and the gift of life to create a better world uh if we think about you know people that are on one extreme and people that are on the other extreme everyone wants to have a better life right so assuming that assuming that we're not talking about psychopaths assuming that everyone wants to have a better life how can we get somewhere in the middle that will be good to everyone i think this is the thing that we are going through this polarization right now in order to learn how to get to the middle how to get to a place where everyone will be happy not everyone will be happy but some people will be unhappy other people will be unhappy and if a both place people where it works happy, for all right that's buckminster fuller's famous words if it doesn't work for everyone it's not working for anyone because then those people would need to flee to mars yes and then we i think we are living these moments of separation and polarization in order to understand that and look for humankind and see that we don't want to live in those places of separation and polarization we want to live in a place where people are living happier and purposeful lives are we able to do that i think we are we have done everything so far so why can we do that what's preventing us for doing that and i think this huge mo movement of east meeting west you know uh, science meeting spirituality it's amazing because science is like proving things that were said in the vedas thousands of years ago you know physics uh, quantum physics are proving that you know things are moving once my 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 wife said uh, do you believe you, you can you know change things with, with your thoughts i don't know but uh because you, you can't see that but can you see the wave the waves of the wi-fi connecting us now no we can't but this is happening <laughs> so why can we connect in other realms let's say that we don't know we we, we can only see like one percent of the universe everything else is dark matter that we don't know that we don't know so there's a lot for us to learn and then we have not to be as arrogant as we are believing that we are in the center of everything and when you say that expression human-centered it's wrong because it shouldn't be like that. It shouldn't be nature-centered, whatever, because uh, we are nature. And then if we understand that, that there is not this separation anymore, that we are here to serve and to connect 
to the other species as well, I think we're going to be living a more happier and beautiful lives. Brother, I love your passion. And I, I love your philosophy and your, like your stream of consciousness and logic there. I am super honored to have you on the show. I want to continuously be of service and help you get more of this message out. Uh, maybe we get to collaborate at a future reunion event. Let's do it. Yeah. Where else can people find you? Like what's, what's happening in your cosmos that people need to know about right here, right now? Yeah. So what's happening right now is that I am uh, very worried about uh, how to raise the best kids possible for humankind in the near future. Because, you know, I, I've, I've been watching Greta Thunberg around the globe and um, she's like sailing to New York for this United Nations uh, event this month and she's so full of passion since she's so inspiring and i think this is a, a kind of response of our planet to the crisis that we are in we have to like uh create something like greta in order for other people to connect like young people around the planet those global strikes are happening and it's beautiful you know uh one thing that i just said yesterday is like like take the grown-ups of the room so kids can work on that and solve the problem we are in. Because the grown-ups, they have done a lot of mess. And now it's time for the young generation to solve that. So let's create space for them to do it. And let's work together on that. So that's, that's uh, where my mind is at the moment. Beautiful. That's an, a movement in itself, man. How we get the activated children to you know, actually be heard, seen, and taken really serious because I really like what you said there. I feel like the children of consciousness are in power at this moment. Not the real children, but children in terms of consciousness are in power and are demanding what to do. And they're usually, they're usually male. But the actual children with the messages from consciousness, those are the ones we want to, to have steward and, and, and guide this earthship, you know? Possibly. Yeah. I mean, this is just one of the many options. <laughs> yes. Cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time, Rodrigo. And that's that. Another episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. I hope you truly enjoyed this one and received some insights, knowledge, and a form of learning that you can directly apply to your life, into your relationships, or maybe even into your business and the way you show up for the world. Because this is a movement and we're all part of it, very much so, and we're in this together. We're here to create a world of a triple bottom line where you win, I win, and the entire planet wins. We're raising consciousness together and you know that. That's why you're listening. That's why I love you. So make sure to share the love. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcast app. Invite a friend to listen to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast. And if you have an idea who else you'd like me to interview, make sure you reach out and send me a suggestion definitely check out greenplanet-blueplanet.com, the website to the podcast. I've created a lot of different offers for you, free content, free meditations for you to amplify your connection to self, the state of social impact in the world, and for you to connect and listen to who you could support of the people that I actually interview because their missions are ongoing and a lot of them need more collaboration. And after more than 100 episodes now, with some of the world's leading social impact experts, I have synthesized my most inspired learnings and takeaways to create coaching and mentorship programs for you and the people around you. 
let me share with you about planetary purpose coaching and mentorship experiences. If you're in a space in your life where you're ready to level up, to amplify who you are, what's coming through you and what you're doing to give your gift to the world, then I would love to hear from you. And I'd love for you to apply to one of my private mentorships or group mentorships. Because getting all of the juice, all of that life force that's in you out into the world is something you deserve and the entire world around us deserves. Also, I work with people who are entirely new to this, to the topic of planetary purpose or the topic of meditation, the topic of insight, evolution, and revolution. And if that's you and you're ready to step out of the ordinary and into creation, or if you know someone who is totally ready for that, make sure to check out the website or share the website. And you can also always shoot me a message on Instagram. I'll definitely read it and get back to you. Because, like, th guys, this is real life. Let's be in touch and let's create this together. Last but not least, there's a few different group experiences I host, both in person and online. All of them are quantum learning environments, and I'm happy to tell you more. So simply inform yourself and stay connected, because whatever resonates with you, I'm here to support you and bring out more purpose into the world. And with that being said, wherever you are in the world, make sure to be you, show up all the way, be all in. Connect with someone today, make them smile, have yourself a stellar day. Lots of love to you and until soon.